We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we doing? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. It is Sunday, November 20th, 2022. And boy, do we have a game to talk about today. Oregon guts out a 20-17 win over the Utah Utes at home in Eugene at Autzen Stadium. A huge bounce back win for the Ducks after losing last week's rivalry game to the Washington Huskies. We have so many storylines that we can get into and that we're going to get into in today's episode of the podcast. Glad to have you guys here. Before we get into the show, quick reminder, if you guys are here in the live stream on YouTube, youtube.com slash Oregon Football Max Taurus is where you can always find us. Go on over to the live chat and leave me a comment or ask me a question. Want to know what you guys think about this Oregon football team and uh, what your thoughts are on that crazy game that we watched unfold, Pac-12 after dark uh, in its purest form. And then... uh, Another reminder, make sure you guys lock in with me on social media. Uh, best way to find me is on Twitter, at mtorussports. And then go ahead, do me a favor, like the video, and hit the subscribe button. That is a tremendous help to what I'm doing, trying to grow the community and cover the Oregon Ducks uh, on the recruiting trail. And, of course, you know, uh, on the gridiron uh, with the football team and uh, even doing some hoops as well. But with all that said, let's get into it, everyone. Uh, Oregon guts out a 20-17 win over the Utah Utes, and man, it was an absolutely insane game. Obviously, the biggest storyline heading into that game was, is Bo Nix going to be able to play? Is Bo Nix going to be healthy? He was out there, went through uh, went through pregame warm-ups, um, you know, was a true game-time decision. I think he said after the game that that was the first time he'd ever been a part of a uh, uh, of a true game time decision uh, in his football career. And um, he just handled himself with so much grace after that win. It's it's really hard not to root for Bo Nix. Um, super, super, um, super great kid. And, and just really fun to, to watch him play. Uh, but that was obviously the, the biggest uh, storyline heading into this game. And then after the game, he was, he was also talking about, um, how kind of throughout the week he was really kind of ebbs and flows, you know, I think I can do this. And then there were other times when he was saying, you know what, I don't even think I I can hardly walk. Uh, Let Like, I don't know how I'm going to play a football game if I can barely even walk. Um, So it was really up and down. And then Dante Thornton and a couple other Oregon teammates were saying that 
after the game that they didn't know throughout the week uh, if Knicks was going to be able to go against the Utes. But uh, obviously they're super happy that he was able to go because we know how close of a game this one was for Oregon. Um, Ty, Ty Thompson also had uh, he had a role in, in Bo Nix's performance uh, tonight. I thought that was a really interesting tidbit from Bo Nix's postgame press conference. He was talking about how, hey, you know, everyone was focusing on me. And, you know, obviously my availability for this game was huge and super important. But Ty Thompson helped me more than anybody else because Nix had limited practice reps, op- rep, limited reps in practice uh, is what he and Dan Lanning were saying. And uh, he had to take a lot of mental reps and he was, you know, checking with Ty Thompson, asking him, what are you seeing here? What's the, what's the check here? Kind of just picking his brain and, and helping him get a better feel for what he might face come Saturday against the youths when, uh, when the defense comes out. So I thought that was a really interesting, uh, interesting to hear from, from Bo Nix, but let's talk a little bit about the, the on-field product in, this game and kind of what really happened. Obviously Bo Nix, he plays and it didn't take too long for you to realize that this guy is definitely not a hundred percent. I mean, we couldn't really tell how limited, limited he was last week against Washington when he came back late in that game, but watching this game against Utah early on, you could, it was pretty easy to tell Ty Tom or not Ty Thompson, Bo Nix was limited. Um, they, they weren't really running him. Uh, he was relatively stagnant in the pocket um, with his footwork. You know, you definitely held your breath a little bit on the few times that the uh, pocket collapsed. He only got sacked once, so that was obviously a good development for Oregon uh, that they only uh, allowed Utah to get home once. But I think Bo's limited mobility really coincides with another major offensive storyline from this game, and that is that Oregon couldn't run the ball the Ducks could flat out not run the ball against the Utes, and that almost came back to bite them in a major way. Just 59 rushing yards against the Utes, and that's the first time that Oregon's been held under 100 yards rushing in a game since the last time they played the Utes in the 2021 Pac-12 Championship in Las Vegas. So Utah essentially, for all intents and purposes, took away Oregon's bread and butter. And not only could you not run the ball effectively with your running backs, Bo Nix couldn't run. You know, he he couldn't lean into one of the best parts of his game, the the moving around in the pocket, the the scrambling, the throwing on the run. And we did see him throw it on the run a couple times. I think there was one a big one to Dante Thornton and then also to Terrence Ferguson that I recall. So that was absolutely huge, uh, just tracking his his ability throughout the game. And he ended up turning in a pretty solid stat line. 25 for 37 with 287 yards and one touchdown. Um, Only ran the ball twice for a total of negative three yards on the ground. So that just shows you how limited he was uh, from a running capacity. But I just think for for Bo Nix, another thing that was really interesting going back to his presser, he was just talking about, I feel like I owed it to my teammates to, to, you know, at least give it a try to have them give it my all. And, and he said multiple times going throughout the week that he wasn't the only one that was battling injuries. It sounds like a couple of the players were maybe not super healthy in terms of just actually being sick, not in terms of, of being banged up. Um, so Bo Nix wasn't even the only injury storyline that we were monitoring heading into this game. Alex Forsyth looked like he was in full pads and going through some, I don't know if he went through warmups, but he was in full pads before the game. 
And then the game starts and he's not able to go. So Ryan Walk has to shift over to center. And let's not forget, Ryan Walk wasn't even a, a, a guarantee to play in this game against Utah. He was also hurt. Um, we know after he got hurt last week that Jackson Powers Johnson came in to play some center. Um, and fortunately for Oregon, with Ryan Walk having I mean, to slide over from guard to center, we also saw the return of Stephen Jones, who hasn't played since week two against Washington. So, or sorry, against Eastern Washington. So there were definitely some good injury updates for Oregon in this game. Chase Cota was also on the field going through warmups and was uh, looked like he was fully dressed out. He didn't play in this game. So that's another big piece of Oregon's offense that wasn't able to go on Saturday against the Utes. But we don't want to spend the entire show talking about Bo Nix, but I feel like we had to start with it because, I mean, there's no chance that Oregon wins that game if, if, if Bo Nix isn't able to go, in my opinion. So we talked about Chase Cota not being able to go in this game as he continues to recover from injury. But fortunately for Oregon, they had some other guys step up in a big, big, big way. And I think you got to start with Dante Thornton. And you also got to talk about Chris Hudson. Chris Hudson, I think he had four catches on the opening drive for the Ducks. So he was in a groove really from the get-go. Didn't finish with a crazy stat line, but he caught nine of his 12 targets for a total of 56 yards. And here's the cool stat for Hudson. 46 of those yards came after the catch. So he had a really impactful game. And I think that that kind of flew under the radar um, because it wasn't a super big statistical game. But from, from him saying, uh, you know, bows down. So it's obviously next week, next man up from him saying that earlier this week to all that uncertainty around Bo's availability to the game that he ultimately played, I thought was, was really awesome to see. Uh, it seems like he's getting more and more comfortable every week uh, in, in this offense. And he's definitely emerging as a primary target for Bo Nix. And this is, they, they needed him to have a big game because Troy Franklin caught a touchdown, but didn't do a whole lot uh, aside from that touchdown in the first half. He had four catches on seven targets for 14 total yards. So when your top guy gets not shut down, but when your top guy isn't uh, maybe having the impact or uh, producing as much as you become used to, uh, you need these other guys to step up. And Chris Hudson wasn't the only guy to step up. We have to talk about Dante Thornton because he had himself a crazy game Four catches on six targets for a team-high 151 yards receiving. Uh, that was a career high for Thornton, who found the end zone for the first time this season last week against Washington, and he really picked up where he left off. He had the longest passing play of the day for the Ducks with a 58-yard bomb from Bo Nix. Um, and let's not forget, this game didn't exactly start on a good note for Dante Thornton. Uh, he caught a pass early in the first half, and, and he made a couple moves, made a couple guys miss, and and then he got stripped and uh, fumbled the ball early on in this game. Uh, so that was tough, and uh, he had another fumble. Uh, I don't know if you who you can really blame it on, but there was obviously that crazy second-half play uh, that reversed between Ty Thompson and Dante Thornton. There was a fumble on the exchange. I think I might have pinned that or it looked like I was pinning that on the wrong person on Twitter. And you guys definitely let me know about that. So I tried to reword it a little bit and say that uh, there was a fumble on the exchange. So for Dante to finish the, the game that for Dante to finish the game, the way that he did after starting it on a rough note, I thought was a uh, really, really impressive. Um, 
after Chase Cota got hurt against Cal, I was kind of waiting, you know, waiting and waiting. When is Dante Thornton going to be getting utilized more? I feel like we can kind of see a little bit of an opportunity for a breakout. And I think 151 yards absolutely constitutes a breakout performance for uh, Dante Thornton, uh, who comes, who came to Oregon in 2021. So he's a true sophomore after burning his red shirt last year. And then another thing that was really cool about Dante's performance is that he was saying after the game, he got his first start against the Utes last year. And we all know how that game went. The Ducks didn't have Jalen Red, They didn't have Johnny Johnson. Micah Pittman entered the transfer portal um, and, and wasn't available. So they were really thin at wide receiver. So for him to have a bounce back game like this or just a, a much better game compared to last year, I thought was an awesome, awesome thing to see. Um, he just continues to show that he's a playmaker and I think he's really coming on at just the right time for Oregon because they have the, the big game against Oregon state rivalry game in Corvallis next week on the road. And then if, if you can take care of business there, then you can punch your ticket to return to the Pac-12 title game. We'll talk a little bit, but a bit, talk a little bit more about what's ahead for Oregon. Uh, after we talk some more about the offense, then we'll talk about the defense and, uh, get into kind of what's ahead a little bit later on in the show, but those were kind of some of the really big stories for, for this Oregon team on offense is that guys really stepped up uh, in the passing game because Bo couldn't run and nobody could run. Um, no Whittington and Bucky Irving both had 10 carries and they combined for 63 yards. Uh, and Bucky Irving had that touchdown early in the game, but then the run game really, really faded away. 25 carries, so 25 run plays compared to 37 pass plays. You could obviously see that Oregon was favoring the passing game because they didn't feel comfortable running bow. So that's just a smart decision um, from, from Kenny Dillingham and, and Dan Landing there to not run bow. But we have to talk before we switch to defense, we have to talk about the start of that second half for Oregon. So I want to say that Utah got the kickoff to start the second half. Um, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Utah started the second half with the ball. So great start coming out of the locker room for Oregon. You get a stop, you get the ball back to your offense, which entered the half, you know, on a high note. And then for some reason, Ty Thompson comes out at quarterback with the offense and snaps the ball and then starts running to his left and then sweeping around is Dante Thornton. And then Ty Thompson, you know, kind of pitches it up on a little bit of a shovel pass and uh, that's where the fumble happened on that exchange. And then Utah just grabs the ball and waltzes into the end zone for a scoop and score. And at that point, you just felt like, okay, wow, that was a pretty terrible way to start the offense in the second half after you had been so effective in the first half. And then after that, it just kept tumbling and tumbling and tumbling. And Oregon wasn't able to get much going. And, and Utah was starting to get into a groove. Dalton Kincaid was doing well. Uh, Tavion Thomas had a, a decent game, uh, 19 carries for 55 total yards. The Utes ran for 156 yards against Oregon, averaging 4.3 yards a pop. But ever since that scoop and score on that fumble, it really felt like Utah was taking control of that game. You know, Oregon was kind of trying to inch it out, just do just do just enough uh, on both sides of the ball. And the defense kept getting some stops. And the offense wasn't able to get much going. So for the first time this season, it really felt like the defense was carrying the offense. Um, I mean, just 20 points is crazy. Last week against Washington was the first time that Oregon had been held under 40 uh, since that uh, game against Georgia. 
so just the if you're looking at a number numbers standpoint, um, Oregon's offense was was not itself obviously on Saturday night against the Utes. So Dan Lenny was asked about that question in the post game. You know what was the strategy? You know what was kind of going on there? And and he was saying, you know, you guys can critique that. That was uh, you know, that I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you know that was that was not a good call. Uh, obviously didn't work out and, you know, great learning experience, learning moment for me and the coaching staff. So I was surprised as all of, as all of you were to see that play called for Oregon because it just didn't make any sense. And it quite literally almost cost them the game because everything spiraled out of control from that point. It was really hard for Oregon to find a groove uh, on offense after that. It just totally took the wind out of their sails. Um, the only other offensive storyline that I kind of wanted to talk about was just the last play that got that first down. Bo was asked about it and he was saying, you know, it was only a yard. The coaches asked me if I you know, felt comfortable running this and he was saying, yeah, I mean, I, 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 they haven't run me all that much in this game. So I, I could do, I could get him a yard and he kind of awkwardly jumped forward, dove to get that first down. And, and we all know what happened after that. So the, the story with Oregon's offense against Utah was Bo Nix battling adversity, just being an absolute gamer. Um, we already knew that he was like that, but to see him play um, play the way he did against the Utes was phenomenal. Uh, run game got shut down for the most part, and we saw guys like Dante Thornton and Chris Hudson and Troy Franklin all step up to deliver in this game. And uh, now we got to talk a little bit about the defense because, man, this was like the best game that Oregon's defense has played all year. Uh, and we'll do that after we take a short break. For those of you listening to us on audio, don't go anywhere. We got more Oregon versus Utah breakdown for you after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We're continuing our breakdown of Oregon's 20-17 win over the Utah Utes. Saturday night in Eugene, Ducks moved to 9-2, and two, uh, and they're still in the race for the Pac-12 title and trying to make a Rose Bowl game. But let's talk about the defense because we have a lot to get into here. Uh, just some of the the standout performances. You obviously have to highlight Bennett Williams. 14 total tackles and and two interceptions in this game uh, were were absolutely huge. Um, the first interception was definitely an interesting one because uh, it looked like when that one got batted by the line of scrimmage by Jordan Riley and went up in the air, you could see uh, Justin Flo just taking out Dalton Kincaid, which 
basically got rid of any receiving threat for Utah in the area. And, and that was kind of handed to, to uh, Bennett at that point, but great, great play by him. 14 total tackles, seven solo, uh, half a tackle for loss and two interceptions to lead the way for Oregon. Noah Sewell and Mace Funa both had eight total tackles and Noah Sewell had two tackles for loss. He had, he was doing a really good job defending the run. Uh, like I said, Oregon did a pretty good job defending the run in this game, surrendering just 156 rushing yards. Uh, but for Bennett Williams to bounce back the way he did in this game against Utah, I thought was was really the defensive storyline. There were a lot of standout performances, but Bennett Williams is going to get highlighted because this game, he had three turnovers by, by both teams. So the, the turnovers are obviously going to dictate a lot of what the outcome is in this game, but he got burned and, and took, maybe he didn't get burned, but he took the wrong route, you know, kind of a defensive collapse, defensive miscue against Washington on that Taj Davis touchdown that would tie the game. And then the Huskies would ultimately kick a field goal to win the game. But this was a big opportunity for, for Bennett to bounce back. Um, and really this whole defense after how they played last year uh, against the Utes in both of these games uh, to, to also have to overcome Jamal Hill getting ejected. That was another thing that was a, a bit of a shocker to see Oregon just continue to have to battle against these targeting calls. And then I'm sure we'll talk, maybe we'll talk to Dan on Dan tomorrow on Monday and they'll finally win one of these targeting appeals. But that was a, or maybe no, they don't have to do that because Jamal Hill got ejected in the first half. So I don't think he's going to be missing any time against Oregon state. So I guess that's maybe a silver lining here, but you wanted to have Jamal Hill. He's one of your bigger safeties, one of your better defensive backs, a guy whose play style and frame, I think really, um, really kind of fits what you want from a defender. Who's going to be helping you slow down the tight ends. And, and, uh, Utah's tight ends are um, among the best in the country. Um, Brent Keithy is banged up, so it was just Dalton Kincaid that they really had to focus on in this game. But uh, the story really starts, like I said, with Bennett Williams, who had two interceptions, which was awesome. But another big piece of Oregon's defensive success against Utah was the defensive line. This was the best game that Oregon's defensive line has played all year. Um and they didn't get a sack, which is kind of interesting because you wouldn't expect me to say that after saying it was the best game for Oregon this season. But just the knockback that they had at the line of scrimmage was the best that they've had uh, in, in, in quite a while. And Lanning was talking about how that had to be a big piece of this game is that they're going to have to win that battle at the at the line of scrimmage. And clearly last year, that was not something that they did. Um he was asked about the defensive line, and I have the uh, quote here. Lenning said, we talked about how this team likes to run a lot of outside zone stretch plays. The way you win that is to knock back at the line of scrimmage, reestablish the line of scrimmage. I thought that showed up in the, a lot of the negative plays we were able to create. Several of those incomplete passes and interceptions were because of tip balls or guys in throwing windows. It's something we didn't do very well last week, and those guys knew it was something we had to improve on. It showed up and made a big impact on this game. So if we're talking about the defensive line, we can't do that without talking about Casey Rogers, without talking about Brandon Dorless, without talking about 
Keon Ware Hudson without talking about Jordan Riley because all those guys had standout games. And I think it really started with Jordan Riley, who got his hand in the passing lane that that uh, got that first interception for, for Bennett Williams. But Keon Ware Hudson also got his hand up and helped force a uh, turnover against the Utes. And it was a game they really needed because if you watched either of those Utah games last year, Oregon got dominated at the line of scrimmage. And you knew that that was going to be a huge test for Oregon in this game. How are you going to respond? Are you going to be physical enough to step up to the occasion, to rise to the occasion? And it was just play after play after play, particularly on defense, because we all know the offense had an off night. But that offense, that Utah offensive line had their hands full, man. Whether it was Noah Sewell getting into the backfield, Casey Rogers getting into the backfield, he came up with some huge plays. I know he had some big tackles on third down. Um, he's just kind of quietly flown under the radar as one of the, the best transfer portal additions for this team or one of the best defensive players on this team flat out. I think if you're asked, if you're asking who the best defensive player has been for Oregon this year, a lot of people are going to be pretty quick to tell you, I think Christian Gonzalez or Noah Sewell, who's kind of up there, uh, obviously is one of the bigger names on this team. DJ Johnson and Brandon Doros have both had some breakout games this year, but this is the kind of game that the Oregon defensive line needed. So you have to give coach Tony Tuioti a ton of credit and, and, you know, Casey Rogers and Jordan Riley both came over with coach Tuioti from Nebraska as two guys that have played a lot of football and um, they're, they're making their impact felt um, especially with, with, uh, with Popo Amavai out for the year, those guys, they, they, uh, they ended up taking on larger roles than they may be expected. So, They've just been super pivotal to the success of this Oregon defense, specifically stopping the run. That's what they've excelled at. But there were a lot of plays in this Utah game where I think, you know, there wasn't a sack, but there was pressure. Or you were getting a hit on Cameron Rising here or there. And it's important to note that Cameron Rising wasn't 100% either. Uh, you know, He had some runs. I think he was more comfortable running, obviously, than Bo was. But I was actually texting our, uh, our Utah publisher during the game, and he was saying that uh, Cameron Rising wasn't 100% either. So you kind of had that battle going back and forth, but um, let's see here. What other, what other notables do we have on the Oregon defense? Uh, They had their season best six pass breakups against the Utes. Um, So some really good uh, pass defense in terms of uh, just kind of wrecking havoc and, and being pesty on defense Uh, three takeaways in one game matched the season high for Oregon. Uh, And then three points allowed in the first half equal to season low. Uh, allowed an opening half the the only other performance there you had them uh the ducks allowing three first half points against stanford so this is a big game for them and i think that it comes at just the right time because i don't think with bo nicks being hurt you didn't necessarily expect oregon's offense to be its normal self to be firing all cylinders to be you know putting up all these yards i don't think you expected to be that bad but you didn't expect the oregon offense to have like a super strong night because once you saw how limited Bo Nix was. But for Oregon's defense to have the game that they did, I don't want to say that they're peaking, but they're certainly playing some really good football at just the right time. And Brandon Dorless was saying, you know, we're all banged up. We're all, you know, trying to trying to recover here. Um, but it's it's uh it's a tough time for everybody in college football. And even though it was a a, a close win for Oregon, just a three-point margin of victory, 
you're not going to complain about a win in, in November. You just can't because it's it's tough to come by. Wins are tough to come by in November. And now Oregon heads to Oregon State to play a big game against the Beavers. Um, let me just see in my notes here if I had anything else that I wanted to get to um, in this game as far as you know standout performances or, or storylines that were, were, we tracked. Um Looking at the defense, uh, so yeah, Christian Gonzalez, 11th straight start since joining Oregon, 29th start of his college career. He had some really good plays in this game. He had a good uh, a good pass defense uh, in the end zone uh, early on in that game. So it was definitely a, a great game from him uh, that you, you wanted to see. And uh, you saw a bunch of different guys kind of come in when Jamal Hill got ejected. Steve Stevens played a lot. Um, he got called for a pass interference that was a little bit questionable. You saw J.J. Greenfield getting some some playing time as well. So a lot of guys were pitching in here for Oregon, but the defense really won the day for them, uh, and they needed it. They really needed it with how the offense was struggling, and uh, that's kind of what I had on the defense. We got a couple people here commenting, so let's see what some people have to say. Uh, Cameron says, so happy that Dan Lanning is our head coach, but sometimes I feel like the offense gets too cute and ends up hurting themselves thoughts. Yeah. I think that that's, uh, that's a question that I was asking myself, or that's something I found myself saying quite a few times in this game. Uh, you know, obviously you have that first play of the second half that was pretty, uh, pretty surprising and uh, a massive head scratcher, but there were a lot of, there were a lot of screenplays that I thought, you know, they, they found mixed success on the screens and, and I, there were some other plays where I thought they were kind of getting cute. So it's it's been interesting to track how Kenny Dillingham has had these really, really, really good games and then kind of had some ups and downs these past couple of weeks. Um, I, I want to see the tight ends a little bit more involved, but Terrence Ferguson had a couple catches in this game. So I, I would agree that they did end up hurting themselves a couple of times uh, on some of these play calls. Uh, but they were able to, to do just enough to get it done. Uh, I liked how you know Chris Hudson and Dante Thornton got the ball in space a couple times, but there were some other screenplays that just got completely blown up and didn't seem like the right calls at the time. Uh, Raymond says, did anyone you know predict that the Ducks versus Utes would, be, would prove to be a defensive struggle? Um, not necessarily. I, I thought I was of the mindset that if, Bonix was able to go that this would be more of an offensive shootout rather than a defensive struggle. Uh, seeing that, you know, there were a lot of turnovers by both teams uh, that, you know, really created these massive momentum shifts. So I think that Utah clearly isn't as good as they were last year, but they still have a lot of really good pieces in place. Cameron rising's awesome. Dalton Kincaid, uh, Tavion Thomas, Micah Bernard, uh, Clark Phillips is one of the best defensive backs in the country. And, and he obviously made his impact felt with an interception in that game. So I don't think I saw it to be a defensive struggle. I didn't think it was going to be a defensive struggle, but I'm kind of glad that it was because Oregon's defense really stepped up. And, and like I was saying earlier, I think that they needed a game like that to, uh, to kind of get where they want to go and to build some more confidence. Mikey G is in the building. He's a frequent supporter of the show. He says zero vocal cords left. Thumbs are 100% though. So let's go. Let's go ducks. Uh, what's up, Mikey. Thanks for stopping by. He said, yeah, I, if I was at that game, my vocal cords would be shot too. Matthew says, man, that was a fun game. It was so cold. Yeah. I was at the game last week against Washington and that was in the, 
low 40s, high 30s. And I think this game was closer to the low 30s. So it was absolutely a brisk, brisk night in Eugene. Mikey G says, Bo rightfully gets the attention for this win, but we don't walk away with it without the incredible depth, toughness, and talent on our O-line. Bo is back there most of the day just standing tall. Yeah, that's a – and I tried to kind of allude to that a little bit, just talking about the depth that Oregon was fortunate enough to have, seeing that Stephen Jones was able to make his return and Ryan Walk had to move over. Um, Marcus Harper had some really good plays. Uh, I saw him get some pancakes. Sala, Big Sala had some awesome blocks on screen plays. Um, so I think that you got to give some credit to the O-line given how pass heavy Oregon's, uh, Oregon's game plan was, but I will say that I was shocked that Utah was able to stifle Oregon's ground game the way that they did, because I feel like Oregon should be able to run the ball against almost anybody in the country. And and that would maybe, I'd maybe emerge from this game against Oregon, uh, against Utah from an Oregon perspective, a little bit concerned about the run game, but, uh, opportunity to bounce back nonetheless against Oregon state. Josh Shepard says that was painful to watch. Yeah. It felt like a certain point at a certain point that, that you just wanted this game to end, you know, Oregon had the win, but Oregon had the lead rather, but Utah was not going away. So you just kind of wanted the game to end. If you were an Oregon fan about, wow, you're really holding your breath here. There were so many momentum swings that Oregon was able to, uh, navigate. And I think they kind of made this harder on themselves than they, than they needed to. Dan Lanning said there were a lot of mistakes during his post-game press conference. Uh, but the bottom line, the defense showed up and made plays when, when they were needed the most. So I think that's something you, you absolutely have to have to hang your hat on is the defensive stops and the takeaways. Josh says, this was the first game I've seen where we looked like we abandoned the run, but we also did not run the ball all that well, probably because of Bo's inability to be a threat running. Yeah, and I I think that that's an interesting thing to monitor is just, you know, how Bo's ability to run affects the overall ground attack. Maybe just, I think maybe they just weren't seeing the looks that they wanted or it was easier for them to stack the box on on some runs. Um, But we know how effective Bo Nix is with his legs, and that certainly was not an option for him against the Utes. So I was a little bit surprised to see how much of an impact that had his inability to run just on the overall rushing attack. I thought they were still going to be able to get it done. um, And they just were not able to run the ball. So kind of interesting. We haven't seen too many games, certainly in the last year where they were so reliant on the pass to move the ball, but that was a, a cool little adjustment to see. Brian Thompson says huge character win. Nail-biter to the end. My statement moment was the impressive outpouring of love slash cheers for Bo's one and one and a half yard run at the end. Yeah, and I saw a video, uh, someone sent it to me on Twitter, uh, where Bo was just on the sideline, you know, just leading the Oregon offense and talking to Dante Thornton, talking to some of the linemen. And, and I thought it was just an awesome moment where we got to see Bo Nix's leadership, leadership showcased. And then we talked about how he was just willing to run for, you know, hey, we got to put this game away. We got to get this first down. Utah's out of timeout. So he was willing to put his body on the line and, and get that yard, yard and a half that they needed to win. So just a, a great play by uh, Bo Nix and, and a big character win, like you said here, for Oregon heading into this Washington, uh, Oregon State game. Uh, Ram Spencer says, both Washington and Oregon have a challenging rival game to see who makes it to the Pac-12 championship. I wish the read... An extra. I wish there was an extra week before that championship game, though. Um, 
And then another comment says, not even close. Which quarterback has less had less mobility, though? Yeah, so now that we're looking ahead to next week, Oregon hits the road to Corvallis to play Oregon State. Oregon State's coming off a commanding win over the Arizona State Sun Devils. They were on the road in Tempe yesterday to, to get that win. Um, so Oregon's definitely battle-tested. I don't think you're as worried about Oregon State as you are about Utah and, and Washington, but with everything that's on the line here, Oregon wins, and they punch their ticket to go back to Vegas. Uh, if they don't win, then they have uh, they have to hope that a couple other things fall in their favor. Um, but just been really interesting to see how this season has unfolded and, and how these big games are going to have such an impact. But the Ducks still have the, the conference championship in their in their what's the what's the word i'm looking for in their sights they have their sights set on that and you can maybe go back to the rose bowl so i think that just dan lane has done an awesome job in this first year at oregon i think that's a whole nother show but it was just a win that oregon desperately needed uh, i think once the way you lose that washington game that the fact that it erases your playoff ch- chances was just brutal and after that first that fumble in the second half to start the second half, you just kind of felt like, oh man, is it going to come off? Are the wheels going to come off? Are we going to go off the rails here? And they were able to bounce back and get the win, and that's really all that matters. So, huge win for Oregon, and and it was definitely one that they needed. All right, what else do we have here? Um, Brian says a little worried about the short turnaround to a championship game if we get there since USC gets a cupcake in Notre Dame LOL. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's uh, USC get gets to just kind of go back to go to the conference championship game uh with the way that their schedule is uh you know shaking out. They got a huge win over UCLA last night, which is really their first notable win of the year because they didn't play anybody notable in the non-conference. But uh, I don't know. Notre Dame obviously isn't having the season that they expected or, or that they hoped for under Marcus Freeman, but they're surprising some people. They have that win over Clemson. That's obviously their biggest win of the year. So maybe they're going to try to sh- surprise some people and shock some people uh, when, when they play against USC um, this season, um, you know, next, next week. That's a home game for the Trojans. So that, that helps them, obviously. But we'll have to see if, if Notre Dame can – you know, this will be a little bit of a Super Bowl for them, I think. Like I was saying, with the season not going the way that they wanted it to, I think if you're Notre Dame going into this game, you're saying, you know, hey, this is kind of a, a big opportunity for us to to cause some chaos. Um, and that's certainly what they're going to want to do against USC. Uh, but I think that Oregon and USC have kind of been on this collision course in the Pac-12 championship for most of the year. You got – Dan Lanning and Lincoln Riley, both new head coaches at their respective spots. And I'd be very much here for it. Uh, if, if Oregon is able to make the Pac-12 title game, I'm hoping to be able to throw some travel plans together and, and make the trip out to Vegas. That would be awesome. But we will have to see. Uh, and that's why we got to follow this team. But that'll do it for us here on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Reminder to like the video and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Head on over to DucksDigest.com for the latest and greatest in Oregon football recruiting. We were talking about how Oregon's five-star quarterback commit, Dante Moore, reaffirmed his commitment to the Ducks. I got a couple of big recruiting updates with some big 2024 targets and going to start doing some digging on 2023s. Roderick Pleasant was on campus this weekend. Uh, Dalen Austin, as, I, as you guys know, is a, a recruit that I've covered quite a bit here. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting finish for Oregon and Dan Lanning as the early signing period nears. 
I also have a, a recent episode where I talked to George Silva, Oregon's 2023 offensive line commit out of Fullerton College. So go give that a listen if you haven't already. Uh, but we're going to turn the page now and start looking into Oregon's regular season finale against the Oregon State Beavers. And we're going to continue tracking all the latest recruiting info on the Ducks. But until next time, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, and we will catch you guys in the next episode.